This is recording number 10933 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, July 10, 2011. This is the 15th message in the series titled Doctor's Gospel by Randy Bolt. This message is titled The One We Pray To. So we're looking at Luke chapter 11, and we're continuing our study this week of the doctor's gospel. The one who was writing this book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit was a a physician named Luke, and he was uh, a traveling companion and partner with the Apostle Paul. This book is also inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that this, the the whole of the Bible that you have there in your hand, the Bible says of itself, it is God-breathed. That means that in a very real way, the Holy Spirit breathed onto these pages what we are going, what uh, what we read when we open it up and what we're going to be looking at today. And so we're asking that same Holy Spirit to help us to... Inhale what he has put here. And what we are listening for is the heart of our Savior. And we're going to be talking today about the one we pray to. The one we pray to. So chapter 11 begins this way. Now it came to pass, verse 1 says, as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place. Sometimes I'm not sure that people realize that Jesus uh, prayed. Jesus is off by himself praying, and his disciples observe this. Uh, Now, it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, or when he was finished, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples, it was common for, you know, religious teachers, disciple makers, to help their students, their mentees, learn how to pray. And apparently, we don't have a record of it, but apparently John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. And this one of Jesus' disciples, which we don't know which one, said, hey, would you show us how to pray like John showed his disciples how to pray? Because apparently, observing Jesus... Who is who? There, it's beginning to dawn on them is the Messiah. In fact, earlier uh, we read where uh, Peter made that declaration when asked by Jesus, "Who do you say I am?" Peter, one of their own, one of the disciples, said, "You're the Christ, the Son of the Living God. You're the Christ." So it's beginning to dawn on them that this is this is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah, and if he considered as it a priority to be praying to the Heavenly Father. And I'm observing something going on there that um, is beyond what my prayer life is. The disciple is saying, Lord, would you teach me how to do what it is you're doing? And so verse 2, he said to them, when you pray, say, and this is familiar familiar territory to most of us. It's often referred to as the, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. A few weeks ago on Father's Day, we dove into the Lord's Prayer, or sometimes it's referred to as the Our Father And uh, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because we have recently already uh, spent some time there. But I do want you to see that when Jesus, in response to his disciples yearning for how, Lord, teach us how to pray more like you do, he gives them not a rote, uh, something to be memorized and then repeated, but he was giving them a model or a, a template Uh, a method for prayer. And he begins by saying, let your, in effect, he's saying, let your approach to the Heavenly Father be first and foremost to worship our Father who art in heaven, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or blessed, or honored, or worshiped, or revered be your name. Then he says, invite this one, this holy, awesome, wondrous God to establish his dominion wherever you are. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he says, bring your daily needs to the Lord. There's nothing in this third verse about, you know, a, an HDTV, but it says, give us day by day our daily bread. And then he says to invite forgiveness Uh, And set your own self to be a forgiver. Forgive us our sins, for we forgive. And then he says, deliver us from the evil one. And so these are, it would be a worthy study for us to dig into all that's being, all we're being invited to participate in, in terms of prayer, our prayer life Uh, in this outline, this template of prayer. But as I said, we've already covered a lot of that, so we won't right now. But that is the backdrop of what is to come. He's been telling them, here's how you pray. Now the Lord is going to be talking to them about the one they're praying to, which is far more important. Verse 5. Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And, so again, remember, which of you shall have a friend, blah, 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 and he will answer him from, uh, from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. Jesus is, is stating something um, uh, that would be obviously, uh, that would obviously never happen. There are t- I, I need to be careful here, and the reason I'm taking a little time with what may be obvious to you is because there are a lot of people who misunderstand this passage that we're studying today. As though Jesus were uh, saying, this is how God is, that you have to just really harangue him. In fact, there's a theological word for it. Uh, I guess I won't even go into that. But there's this whole notion that, you know, if you really want something from God, you've got to be willing to just keep pounding on the door. Ask and keep asking. Knock and keep knocking. Seek and keep seeking. 
Importunity is the theological word, just in case you were wondering. I shouldn't have even said it now. But anyway, it's this whole whole idea as though, you know, if we really want something from God, we got to be serious about it. Now, that would be true, except that that really is talking about us. The problem is that a lot of people get they they instead of understanding it in terms of how it affects my determined approach before God, it gets twisted around to uh, forming the way I think about God as though he somehow is just up there with his hands folded waiting to like bang on the door loud enough or often enough before he responds. And that's just not the case. So when Jesus is saying, when he asks this question, which of you, he's saying nobody would do that. Nobody would do that. If you went to your neighbor at midnight and knocked on the door and said, Hey, somebody has just showed up. A friend of mine just showed up on their journey. I need to feed them and I've got nothing in the house. Could you loan me three loaves of bread? None of your friends, none of your friends would shout out the window. Oh, I don't think I'm going to do that. I'm in bed now. Nobody would do that. Well, maybe my neighbor, but yours certainly wouldn't. So with that in mind, listen to this, verse 8. I say to you, though you will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as many as he needs. What Jesus is saying here is even if, as absurd as it sounds, even if your friend would not respond to you because you're his friend... He's still going to respond to you because of your uh, persistence. And he's saying, look, guys, God in heaven is not like that. The bottom line there is we have a God in heaven. The one we're praying to is ready to respond. He's not going to be turning you out. He's not going to be closing uh, his ears to your requests. Now, with that in mind, listen to this. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Now, there there are people when they teach this passage that um, they will uh, rightly so remind us that that word ask and then uh, knock and seek, that the words that follow, that all of them are in a verb tense that means to ask and keep asking. Knock and keep knocking. Seek and keep seeking. And that's true. But again, that's about me and my, and my determined approach to God. That's not about God. Let's don't misunderstand God, the one we're praying to here. He's the one who has said. This is red letters in my Bible because Jesus is saying it. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. And there's a lot of Bible teachers that want to jump in on this verse and qualify it and make it say something less than what it says. But you can read it for yourself, can't you? Everyone who seeks, receives, asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. 
and to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Of course not. These are, this is a, this is a re, these are rhetorical questions. The obvious answer is no. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Of course, the answer is no. No earthly father would do that. Except Chris over here, but we're working on it. (laughs) If you then, being evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father? If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And we're going to come back and talk about why that verse, that passage ends that way. But for the time being, let's let it simmer there. So this passage talks about the one that we're praying to. And the first thing I want you to see about this one that we come and... And by the way, I guess I should... I meant to say this or ask this earlier. How many of you with a show of hands would say, I'd like to learn how to pray better? Yeah, me too. But you know what? Prayer is, that, and I know this is true for you. When you raised your hand and said, I want to learn to pray better, it wasn't because I want to learn how to, uh, to decipher God's code. I want to I figure out how to unlock heaven. And the picture, you know, I'm kind of a, I, I am both a Star Wars fan and a Lord of the Rings fan. So I admit that up front. So I think about this part in the, first uh, Lord of the Rings book or the first film when they come to uh, this uh, the entrance to this kind of under underground network that anyway you got to be a fan to, to get into it but anyway there's this the door is closed and they can't figure out the right incantation to get it open Gandalf is out there giving it his best shot but everything's not working Eventually, they hit on the right phrase that's being, that unlocks the door. A lot of times we think of prayer like that. If I could just figure out the right phrase, the right tone of voice, the right volume, the right posture. Should I be on my knees? Should I raise my hands? If I could just get this thing figured out better, maybe I could unlock heaven to my need. And... And that's, there's nothing here about that. Nothing here about that. In fact, just the opposite. Jesus makes it clear. All he wants is for us to ask. He who asks receives. Everyone, it says. That's our God. I want you to see that the one we pray to is not behind a closed door. I know I'm not going to pretend that there aren't times when it seems as though he is. 
I know probably some of you sitting right here, um, you heard what I said about the, the closed door and trying to f- find a way to get the right phrase that will open it. And you, you could identify with that because it seems to you as though heaven has locked you out. It really does seem to you like God is saying, don't bother me. I mean, you know in your heart better than that, but that's what it seems like to you. But Jesus, in describing the one whom we pray to, said he's not like that. He also said the one we pray to is not requiring persuasion. In the story... The guy is trying to make his case. Yeah, can you loan me some loaves here? Because, you know, I've, I, my, it's not just because I'm hungry, but I had a friend who's visiting me, and, you know, I, I don't have anything to put before him. And a lot of times people think about the, this God that we're praying to as though he's someone we got to convince. But somehow he, he requires persuading that what we need or what we're asking for is worthy of his action or his response. Have you ever found yourself trying to make the case with God? Anybody? (laughs) It's silly, but we do it. It's like my kids when they were, you know, wanting something from me. They, it was, you know, I hate to admit that I was that kind of father, but hey, I was. Had limited resources. If you wanted to, you know, tap into our uh, our uh, meager um, stash, <laughs> you need to make a pretty good case. But our God is not strapped. <laughs> really, He's not. It's not a matter of a stingy God that we have to somehow. Uh, persuade that what I am asking for is worthy of his time, his attention, or his response. Jesus said, that's not our God. That's not the one we're praying to. He also said, or taught us in this passage, that the one we're praying to is not wearied by our requests. He invited us to ask and keep asking. He invited us to seek and keep seeking. He invited us to knock and keep knocking. You will never come before this God and find him, oh, not again. Not you again. Haven't we been down this road before? Didn't I just do that for that, that thing for you yesterday? I've got other people I've got to take care of. We never have that kind of God that we come to in prayer. The Bible clearly shows us that we have a God we approach in prayer who is always ready for me. Always ready. To give me his full attention, always ready to respond to the cries of my heart. 
Same for you. This passage also tells us that the one that we're praying to is not to be feared. And what I mean by that is there are times, I, you know, it's, it doesn't make sense. But I, I have felt this. And I, just a few weeks ago, I was chatting with a man who told me that he has had these same kinds of thoughts. Where it's like if I come to God and ask for him, you know, if I say, Lord, guide me, show me what you want me to do. There's almost a little bit of fear about that, that he might ask me or want me to do something I don't want to do. Or lead me somewhere I don't want to go. I remember my, my father-in-law, before he was my father-in-law and just was my girlfriend's dad, I asked him if I could marry his daughter, and he said no. <laughs> and uh, so I said, what? <laughs> and, um, and he said, no, that ain't going to happen. Of course, he didn't use that word, those words, but... He said, here's the reason why. He said, I think you, you tell, you're going to Bible college. And you tell me you want to uh, live your life in service to God. To me, that sounds like you're going to be living in a mud hut someplace. And my daughter's not going to have any shoes. And the truth was, I couldn't, I couldn't say that wasn't going to be the case. <clears throat> but the point is, we do have, at times, we have this notion that God, if, if God really does, if he really does respond to my prayer, thy will be done, that it won't be good. We almost hesitate to say that. Your will, ooh, your, ooh, your, I don't your will be done, you know. It's, but we need not fear the will of God. He said this, look, if you guys who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly Father? We never have to fear what comes to us from his hand. Ever. Ever. Finally, let's get back to that passage, or that last phrase that I said we'd come back to. How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This one we pray to is the answer to our prayers. Most of the time, we think of prayer as me asking God to do something for me. Asking God to answer my prayer. But, but the real truth is, He is the answer to my prayer. He is the answer to my prayer. What if... We began to understand every need we encounter 
as another opportunity to ask our loving Father for more of His Spirit. What if when you need a job and you don't have one, instead of coming to the Lord and begging Him to give you a job, what if we saw that as an opportunity to ask your Heavenly Father for more of Himself? What if when your brother is in the hospital on the edge of dying and you're besieging heaven's throne asking for a miracle of healing? What if we saw it instead of trying to twist God's arm to do something for your brother, you saw it as an opportunity to go to your loving heavenly father And ask him for more of him. It'd be different, wouldn't it? But it would be right. Because in the end, what we need is not the job, not the healing, not whatever whatever else it is you might be banging on heaven's door trying to get. What we really need is him. It's his wisdom that we need. It's his grace, his mercy, his power that we need. It's him that we need. The truth of the matter is that the one we're praying to, he is the answer to our prayers. That's why he could say, and you know what, I understand that when I say things like this, it's almost like, almost like um, I'm making excuses for God. Well, let's just be satisfied with more of him, even if we don't get the healing or the job or whatever it is we're looking for. But that's not it at all. I'm not making excuses for God. I'm telling you, What I just read in here says that everyone who asks, everyone who knocks, everyone who seeks will find, will receive, will be answered. And that answer is always Him. There's nothing more that you could ever receive in this life. Nothing more. Sue told us earlier today, reminded us earlier today that he is enough. He is. When the disciples, she was referring to the the feeding of the 5,000, when the disciples came to Jesus with a need, Lord Jesus, we got a bunch of people here and no food to feed them. And there's no McDonald's in sight. (laughs) And Jesus says, well, what do you got? Oh, well, what do you mean, what do we got? I just tell you, we don't have anything. Hmm? What do you got? Well, we got five loaves and two fish, but what is that among all these people? Start serving it up. Was it the fish that they needed and the bread that they needed? No. They needed him. 
Because the fish was not enough. The bread was not enough. Only he is enough in every circumstance. If you know how, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? 